Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And this is the beauty of podcasting, the freedom of the medium. Gokumpa. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. Fireworks. Don't muck about. Trees are my pawn. Monkey tennis. Ready, steady, fuck off. Scratch me. Are you being served? Monkey tennis. Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis. Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis. Why not consider chips? You must come and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice-cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey tennis. From the Oast House. Keep it down, love. Hello everyone and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined as ever by Tom Dark. I've not become gay, I've just become a busty woman. Nick Alder. It was five in the morning and all through the host house, nothing was stirring, not even a ghost mouse. And Tom Stab. Just another lorry driver popping to the toilets for a wank. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that line. Uh, so yes, welcome to Monkey Tennis. We're continuing our uh, journey through Alan's own podcast from the Oast House, uh, which obviously you can get on Audible. We're up to episodes fourteen and fifteen today, subtitled "Dreams and Hair." Um, and yes, uh, "Dreams" opens with Alan's wonderful Oast House ghost mouse rhyme that you just heard from Nick. Well, uh, he says that he says that it's the one phrase that rhymes with Oast House. Well, Ghost Mouse isn't a phrase. Not a phrase. No. <laughs> and he goes on to name three more, namely Roast Grouse, Toast Nouse, and Boast Spouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, again, none of those. Are, well, I suppose maybe you could argue roast grouse is not a phrase, but it is a thing. None of the others roast are really is a thing. A yes. thing. Well, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all they're all words that rhyme. I think is, <laughs> is where we get to. Um, yeah, so it's four fifty a.m. Uh, He's up with a partridge again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Did we in... all have that in our notes? Four fifty a.m. You're up with yeah. a partridge. Yeah. Uh, Alan's in his kitchen. Um, he's up early because he says he's had a dream that's left him discombobulated, excited, shaken, elated, panicky, satisfied, and hot. Um, <laughs> that is a that is a real insight into the mind of Alan Partridge, isn't it? An absolute confused emotional mess. So I'm coming. Can you go, can you go through that list again, Tom? Quickly. Yeah. So it is discombobulated, excited, yeah. shaken, elated, panicky, satisfied, and hot. So that's brilliant. So it's like it's it's a real like mixed bag of positive and negative feelings going on there. It doesn't make I, any sense at all. I also like that he never says aroused, but the combination of a lot of those words together basically add up to aroused, don't they? Satisfied, yeah, yeah, yeah. satisfied and hot. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm coming in with an early question to the group. Can you think of a dream that has left you feeling discombobulated, excited, shaken, elated, panicky, satisfied or hot? Uh, probably not all in one dream. Maybe across an entire night's worth of dreams, you might hit on all of those. Uh, I don't. This is this is slightly um, uh, unrelated, but I do have recurring dreams. Does anyone have this? I often have dreams where mm. I'm trying to run and I can't run, and I'm just sort of stuck, and it's quite frustrating. Um, that's quite a recurring. Um, I've definitely uh, had dreams like that. I've definitely had all like the classic, I've had a falling dream before, I've had a teeth falling out dream before, I've had the one that you kind of just described there, Nick, yeah. <laughs> the shit yourself dream, have that one? <laughs> Not a dream, Not a dream, pal. That's reality. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I've definitely, there's definitely a recurring dream I've, I've been having, and it's more of a nightmare, I'd say, kind of probably over like the last four or five years, like probably have it like once every, probably once every like four or six months or something. But oh, I see where this I'm is kind going. Of, <laughs> I'm, I'm, in, I'm trapped in a room for like a whole weekend with three other people and we have to just talk about Alan Partridge for about 10 hours at a time. Oh in no, that's this podcast. In, and mysteriously you've adopted Will from the Inbetweeners voice in this dream. Exactly. Yep. The only dream that I can think of, that I've, for some reason I've always remembered this dream. I must have been like seven or eight and I've always remembered this dream where the entire cast of EastEnders were vampires. That's like for some reason. That sounds quite good. And there was like a there was like a dramatic moment where like the camera like shifted to Dot Cotton, and then she was looking into the camera, and her like teeth came down. I remember that so vividly, and I've got no idea why. It's always. I reckon we could get uh, producer Jed to get that commission. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Keen to see Barry from EastEnders as a vampire. (laughs) Yes, Ian Beale as a vampire. Ian Beale as Vlad the Impaler. Well, uh, we're about, what, four minutes in and we're off on a super tangent already. This is incredible. <laughs> Let's bring it back. Um, so I do love the detail that Alan sleeps in a long baggy Wham t-shirt on top of a... Two? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, he, I was going to oh. say, he, he, he sleeps in a long-sleeved baggy Wham t-shirt and on top of that is a baggy short-sleeved Wham t-shirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> leggings. And leggings. And, crucially, sheepskin slipper boots now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we all know where this is going. Right, so... Question to the group, do any of you wear sheepskin slipper boots? Perhaps some kind of booty? Uh, no, no. I'd be, I'd, I'd, why would I wear something as disgusting and awful as that? Well, Nick? Uh, I, I, we've covered um, this already, but we're still well, going yeah, to... We're, we're doing the gag trans- anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say, I think our regular listeners will know, and I'm just sporting it for the camera now. Oh, God, oh, here we go. I can smell it from here uh, when we're about 300 <laughs> miles apart. The absolute so, uh, pong on that. 
I basically uh, will, um, most days, uh, wear a booty slipper that is um, sheepskin lined um, for comfort and style and, and stench. warmth. <laughs> and yeah, stench. But, but, but Nick, isn't the key thing here that you wear them barefoot so they, after about a week, they stink? Yeah, but just pop them in the washer okay, in six but- months. Right. Well, hey, you've got clean, you've got clean booties. Uh, I mean, stab, stab. You say we've covered this before, but you know, when people do an intervention and it doesn't work, they don't just give up, do they? So here we are again. Nick, can you just hold that up to the camera again, please? Right. So oh, we're, we're recording this. So we're going to put this little clip out on socials, and then we're going to put a poll and just say, are these acceptable uh, slipper wear? For uh, for a grown man to wear, yeah. Nick and, which and Alan. cheese? Which cheese do you think the smell is equivalent to? <laughs> <laughs> um, just jumping back to Alan's uh, nighttime outfit. We probably he should also, jump back to Alan, shouldn't yeah. we? Really? He <laughs> says he says his leggings are from Etam. Now I I might be wrong here, but I thought Etam was an exclusively female clothing uh, out out. Yeah. It is. Outfit, right? oh, is that the joke? So, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I also wonder if perhaps this is what come what comes back later when he has his kind of quite quite kind of convoluted dream if you notice uh, it, he's basically wearing a wham t-shirt and women's leggings ah, there's yeah. an argument that perhaps that has played on his mind when he uh, goes to sleep and that's how the dream happened in, in much the same way as i was scrolling through the amazon prime menu and then watched the news yesterday and then had a dream where the cast and crew of x-files were rejecting my episode ideas because they thought i had coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> so similar thing stop stop dreaming about gillian anderson you're never gonna meet her adam <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say that uh, we we I, th- I think we've learned before, but it's reiterated at this point that Rosa has signed an NDA, which I, I like to remind myself of. I think that's important. Yeah, that's yeah. good. It is good. And also, uh, the NDA has been signed though, so that, you know, uh, she won't talk about his look, but he has very much proudly talked about that on a podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the, a very NDA, the NDA very much superfluous. <laughs> you've, you've got to wonder as well, where where has he got those ETAM leggings from as well? Like... That seems like an odd clothing item that he should have because I think Adam's right. I think it is a female clothing store. Is it something perhaps that Sonia's left behind, or, or Rosa? Maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe Rosa. Yeah. Rosa's face. Or Carol. It, is Etam even still going? When did anyone last see an Etam store? I don't I know. Is it, has it gone the way of years, CNA? I, I did check on. I've never heard Google, of it. Google it. It, do, it does still exist, but it actually okay. seems to list itself as a lingerie store these days, which was a, an interesting development. Mm. So. Maybe Alan's been uh, doing some kinky That's, shopping, I don't know. I'm sh- yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the website now. I mean, we're, we're going way too far into E-Town now, but I feel like... They've got some snazzy different... pyjama bottoms, actually. Nice uh, flower prints. They yeah, do. Really, really nice. Go- uh, really so, quite a lot of lingerie. <laughs> so Alan, he um, he he, uh, he takes it upon himself to scribble down some key words while he's doing uh, it, 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 sort of like in a lucid sort of sleep state. And uh, has anyone got the uh, the four words that he notes notes down? I've got some of them. Uh, he starts with supersonic, I think. Yep. Yeah. Then it's trapeze. Yep. And then uh, Edmonds, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sounds like <laughs> a bit of a sh- sounds like a bit of a show idea, like the genesis of a show idea. Supersonic yeah. trapeze, Edmonds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it doesn't come as a huge surprise that he's still dreaming about um, Edmonds, to be totally honest. I can imagine that Edmonds plays on his mind an awful lot in terms of the success yeah. that he's had and just, you know, generally being um, one of his arch rivals. Although we do find out a little bit more about some of his enemies a little bit later on in the episode, but I can imagine Edmonds is still someone that very much kind of haunts his dreams and thoughts on a daily basis. <laughs> I feel like he's, he's, the, he's the core enemy, isn't he, Edmonds? He, he is he's now. enemy numero mm. one. 
Mm. Yeah. Um, and then Alan says that he's now going to record his thoughts uh, as as they occur, uh, to which I thought, well, this is probably going to be one of those waffly, slightly nothing episodes. But, uh, but I mean, it's packed with detail, but or, crucially, none of that detail is real. It's all dream, dream related. So <laughs> it's, it's basically just half an hour of whimsy. I mean, to be honest, I think for me, I think the bits I enjoyed most in this episode weren't Alan's dream retelling, it's everything else around it. So particularly, I'm sure we'll get to this in a bit more detail, but stuff around eggs and stuff like that in this episode, <laughs> that those are my highlights personally. I really like this episode, just to put it out there, it's good. Yeah, um, I liked it. I, I was shocked by uh, the statistic that uh, Alan gets a positive reaction from... Uh, from claiming that seven out of ten women enjoy him uh, just giving them a bunch of flowers because he happens to think that they're a pretty woman in the street, yeah. I, I would call that statistic into into question. Is he fudging the numbers yeah. there? He's reckon? absolutely fudging the numbers. I feel like this is like when you see an advert for uh, like a cosmetics brand yeah. and they're like eighty eight percent of women agree. It's like yeah, but how many times did you run that survey to get that result? Um, yeah. I, I think when he says seven times out of ten, it's welcome. I mm. think his threshold for welcome is they take the flowers from him. And then, he, and then he walks away. Like they, 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 they yeah. accept the flowers into their arms. That counts yeah. as it being welcome. Basically, if they, if they haven't been rejected or if he hasn't been like punched in the face, it it is being chalked down as positive. Yeah, and I'm pretty yeah. sure if any if anyone walked down the street and just handed a bunch of flowers to a passerby before they knew what they were doing, that passerby would have accepted the flowers. So yeah, it's a low <laughs> yeah. bar to cross. <laughs> Um, he also falls asleep during the description of his dream, which I enjoyed. Um, yes. And there's a, there's a bit where he repeats his sort of ghost mouse, you know, ghost mouse mm. joke poem, and then apologise. Gets very embarrassed about having repeated it, and says, "Sorry, that's not what you're paying your money for." Which I thought was quite apt, given that we've noticed several jokes uh, in Ghost House, <laughs> in I Partridge, and in Nomad that are repeated <laughs> elsewhere in the APU. Very good. So as we know from Scissored Isle, seldom only eats boiled eggs. Um, so uh, in, in this case, a, a, an average meal for seldom appears to be 16 boiled eggs with loads of salt. That is going to be so bad for him. But remember, this is a diet that is uh, forced upon him uh, by Alan as a means to control his bloodlust. I can't believe this is the diet that Seldom would actually choose to have. So it seems like he was on a boiled egg-only diet in Scissor Dial. Then there was a brief period at the beginning of the Oast House episodes where they were experimenting with things like Spam and putting meat on Rivita. But that's basically driven him mad. And so they've had to go back to this egg diet to try and calm him. I like that it's <laughs> it's described as Seldom demands a pan of eggs as well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that, I love that um, that bit as well finishes with an egg heavy diet comes at a price. Yeah, because we, we also know that eggs is uh, or some kind of egg based dish is Alan's favourite food. So still not quite clear on whether this is really of Seldom's choosing. But I really did enjoy the way that this whole gag plays out. You hear him counting up to I think is it well basically, basically he counting gets, he gets up to, to fourteen or twelve. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah, you're quite right that the eggs are a bit of a kind of you know um, culinary narrative through line because in the in the episode where he talks about his grandchildren, uh, at the end of that kind of monologue in that video recorded yeah. speech to him, he does say like you know my favourite meal is eggs. I mean one that's madness anyway, but yeah, odd that Alan has such a an affectionate relationship with eggs. Just before we get into Alan's dream, uh, Alan talks a little bit yeah. about uh, witches and cleaners and refers to them both as the broom women, which I this quite liked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he, he ba- basically he's trying to talk about the witching hour, isn't he? Yeah. It's 4.55am it. at this point, um, saying it's a magical time of day, which is why witches get up earlier. Is it witches or cleaners? Dunno, it's one of the broom women. I think that's one of the best lines in this episode. Yeah, really underrated line, I think, because yeah. it kind of like mm. it's not really part of any like wider point or anything like that, or wider section or scene or anything like that. It's just a throwaway line, but I just thought it was excellent. Yeah. Great writing. 
uh, is it at this point that we need to talk about Alan's quite quite detailed um, dream? Well, it starts yes. off normally enough. He's in Pakistan. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah, <laughs> captured by Islamist militants. Starts normally enough. <laughs> uh, has anyone got the details on the dream? Uh, some of them, yeah. yeah. Feel free to fill this in with any extra colour. So uh, the Islamist militants are about to torture him, uh, but it turns out the interrogator is Noel Edmonds. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> who then asks, do you want to test drive the new Range Rover with me? Before you know it, they're at a pub lunch in the Chilterns. Uh, Peter Gabriel's there. Yeah. Um, Noel comes on to Alan, uh, and Alan is now a woman. Um, he drives home in floods of tears. He starts to build a life for himself. His friends rally round, with a few exceptions. Uh, seldom doesn't get it, though. He's prejudiced against Alan. Uh, he believes he's been no platformed and cuckolded by seldom um oh i love that he says seldom is spun out by it yeah. i really like that turn of phrase i love I, lo- I love as well the, the way that they're sort of throwing in things like no platformed cuckolded negging and stuff yes. like that into yeah. these episodes from a dog, as well for, as well from a dog no platform by a dog um and so he changed his name to alana um friends offer to take him shopping but he says i'm not gay as if shopping's exclusively a homosexual activity um but then they offer to take him to MS and Karen Millen, and that's exactly what he wants. Uh, he starts trying on a dress, he's singing Shaka Khan, um, and then I think he wakes up around this point, uh, feeling immense relief. I, th- I think I, the, the I, final bit is, uh, isn't he enjoying the way that the new dress is clinging to his or her curves, uh, but then an observation about being ever so hairy. Yes, yeah. and also it's, it's a dream so vivid that he feels he has to thank some of the people <laughs> yes. for the role they played in the dream, thanking his female friends for lifting him up in the dream, and also thanks Luigi, who he doesn't refer to in any detail, but just says, you know how to make a woman feel special. I think we know what that means. Yeah, so, I, think you've covered, I think you've covered that well. Yeah. So obviously there's quite a lot going on here and a lot to digest. So I, I found a website called thecuriousdreamer.com to see if I could take any elements of the dream and what they mean in terms of an interpretation. So um, I'll just run through them now. These are sort of the key elements of the dream and what they uh, what they sort of mean in 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 sort of this sphere of dream interpretation. So we've got dancing, which is self self expression, creativity, or communication, or the need for it. Friendship: a friendship can represent real, imagined, or desired friendships in real life. Hair. Something wrong with a person's hair, weird colour, missing, too much, in the wrong places, may reflect a problem or situation you feel that person is having in real life. For example, being covered in hair could mean you're feeling overwhelmed or out of balance in your life. Mm. Alan singing. So that can represent self-expression again, the essence of your soul, having a voice in the world, creativity, communication, freedom or inhibition. Hostage. uh, Fear of physical, mental or emotional attack or being the victim uh, of it. Uh, crying self-expression again gender now to dream your gender implies you are having trouble determining your role in society you may be lately feeling overly self-conscious about how you're perceived by others um if you're male and dream of seeing yourself as a female it indicates the need for nurturing so there we go that's kind of the overarching interpretation of the elements of alan's dream which i think are kind of quite uh, recognizable alan tropes I wonder how much of uh, this Alan gets to talk about with uh, uh, the, the counsellor. Um, the man that he pays to talk to sometimes. That's it. I was thinking, what's the sort of term that he used for that's it? Yeah. I wonder if any of these themes are kind of discussed in their in their weekly chat. I could imagine that would obviously be, you know, um, a perfect, a perfectly good area for the for them to discuss. But I could almost uh, imagine Alan going to that weekly session, kind of going, 
oh, I don't know whether to get automatic or manual transmission on my next car. It's just keeping me up at night. <laughs> like kind of de- delving into like practical problems rather than the complicated minefield that is Alan's mind. Um, Alan does then go on to sort of look into whether his dreams can be interpreted after an ad break, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, in a second. So uh, he gets a reply from a professor of neuropsychology and author of The Way We Dream, who just says, no, it can't be, it can't yeah. be interpreted. Yeah. Dominic St. John, assistant professor of neuropsychology at Brunel University, a specialist in onerology, the science of dreams, and the author of The Way We Dream, and he says, no. Which is quite it's very sim- much like um, there is nothing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's very much yeah. the afterlife gag from I'm Alan yeah. Partridge. You see where it's going, but it's still funny. And it feels a bit like it's like Alan was setting this episode up to be the first half would be describing his dream, the second half would be interpreting it. Yes. But now an expert's waited in and basically scuppered that whole plan. <laughs> and, and I feel like that's, that's the whole thing throughout this episode. I, I feel like Alan really wants people to agree that dreams tell you things, that they basically predict the future and all that sort of stuff. But on the whole mostly the feedback he's getting is no they don't although thankfully he does find some balance in that uh, he hears from a brighton trinket seller who says they do because she dreamt her teeth fell out and weeks later one did Uh, (laughs) so that's opinions alan says on both sides of the debate which i thought was a really nice nod to there's been lots of sort of accusations of like the bbc and things like that of kind of Mm. trying to give balance to arguments that don't really deserve equal balance um yeah i I did did wonder if that was kind of what what they were targeting with that a little bit because that is quite a that line is quite pointed, isn't it? Fascinating opinions on both sides of the debate. <laughs> Can we talk quickly about Alan's Excalibur blinds advert? Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's, it's scaremongering at old people, isn't it? Has anyone got yeah, the details? Yeah. Uh, uh, well. keep, keep the outside outside. That's the opening <laughs> like, gambit, isn't it? Yeah, uh, they say if an intruder does get inside, they can really go to town. Police cuts mean response times are longer than ever. <laughs> oh, uh, also, uh, a line I highlighted, there are more disturbed people around than ever before. <laughs> Great. I really enjoyed the um, pronunciation as well on the kind of the sign off for this. So it's like Excalibur roller shutters. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, even though you've had a whole minute long advert of full yeah. of scam. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, do yeah. worry. And also halfway through, uh, there's some weird pronunciation where he's like, they could harm you and your family physically. Like, <laughs> that's really good. It's, he's done that before with like the experimental gravy from the chips ad. It's just that kind of the way that he kind of enunciates it. Brilliant. And then we have a tweet from High Noon, but crucially, Alan won't read it out. Well, this is this is the kind of like joke that again we've we've seen before, where he's you're hearing him read and react and kind of in parts enjoying the jokes. So it's like that, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's quite good. Yeah. Oh no no no, I'm, I'm not, not reading that. But it's, you don't you don't know what it is, but just that kind of like the react the live reaction to him kind of reading it, processing it. Um, uh, a gag they've done before, but it just works. So why not keep doing it? Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I, I think it's great, and I think it also it starts an interesting development of. There, there's an interesting kind of uh, there's uh, the beginnings of a dynamic shift in his relationship with high noon here because he's actually he's enjoying the tweet he's acknowledging that it's funny uh and and he actually alan says credit to him for responding at five thirty in the morning he despises round the clock so there's a there's a weird kind of softening we're beginning to see as we get into these final few episodes which i thought was quite interesting uh so is it time to talk about the partridge playhouse casting call yes please so a new wing uh, of pear tree we assume so many wings so many <laughs> so many shell companies and offshoots of one business um but yeah they are holding auditions for as time goes by um so i'm not sure if any of you remember as time goes by uh i can't 
Yeah, I sort of vaguely remember it, but I, I don't feel like it's vaguely, massively yeah. stood the test of time in terms of like, you know, repeats. Um, for me, the one key thing to pull out here is that Alan is essentially um, look, casting for a woman to play a 59-year-old, but crucially, that woman must be between the ages of 30 and 39 <laughs> years old, and for some reason, hold a clean driving licence, which I assume bears nothing, um, you know, in relation to the part. It's just that Alan respects people that have clean driving licences versus those that don't. I like the bit where Alan describes it as an 80s sitcom. Um, I checked. It was broadcast between 1992 and 2006. Well, <laughs> God, it's that recent. I also thought um, perhaps the reason behind the clean driving licence is either that he just thinks that should be a prerequisite for anything that anyone does because driving's so yeah, important to him. Probably. Or yeah. it's that reading between the lines, he's looking for someone who basically to play his lover. He's obviously hoping sparks will fly off stage as well as on. And so what's his yeah. natural in making sure that they at least understand the basics of driving because that is that's his sort of go-to conversation piece nice the other bit with this casting call is it says pop along for open audition so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out maybe there'll be a follow-up in a in a, in a few episodes time i'm sure it'll go great <laughs> Um, in a similar vein uh, Twitter activity is quite thin at this point in the episode Uh, he's so desperate for people to weigh in at 6am or whatever it is about dreams that he finds a loiterer and invites them in uh, desperate for content although does insist they take their shoes off yeah, uh, it's this Paul. This bit as well. It's Paul, isn't it? It's like, what yeah. do you know about dreams? Oh, not not that much, really. <laughs> I thought Paul was actually quite astute on dreams. He actually had quite a lot to say for a man who's just there to deliver butter and eggs. Um, but Alan <laughs> basically had nothing to add, and so just kicks him out straight away. Well, I think it, this was this is you know something we've seen before where it's it's evident that at first it appears that Paul doesn't have anything to add, and then actually has quite an astute observation about dreams. At which point Alan probably panics that clearly this person is more informed than he is. Therefore, it's time that he's shown the door. Well, for me, my, my take on this was I think more than anything, Alan's annoyed because he isn't giving him the interpretation that he wants. He he wants somebody like I was saying earlier. He wants somebody to agree that dreams predict the future or something like that. But obviously, Paul um, Paul has a like you say a very verbose and like you know arguably quite a scientific response for it, which Alan isn't expecting and doesn't want to hear. Um, particularly, you know, the way he tees up the entrance of this character, he says, "Oh, it's the boy chap man from the local farm." I was actually wondering whether he might be one of the boys that Alan mentions uh, in a previous episode when he talks about two big loyal boys that do menial work and don't question instructions so i did wonder if it was going to be one of those but i would i would argue that the character of paul seems to be a bit too verbose and also i think we do get the uh the two big loyal boys they feature in i think the final episode yeah they're coming back yeah um there's a nice bit of color at this point about uh about alan's past um in relation to fernando uh, when when carol was pregnant with fernando uh, and also a an al- a program that, <laughs> that alan ended up making as well um so fernando made pregnant carol so moody that alan actually faked a radio job to be away during her first trimester <laughs> which is horrendous yeah. um okay. And then because he was so bored, he had to make the program anyway just to fill his days. So he created Devon, the untold story, uh, which was never broadcast because it went up against which uh, huge travelogue program? Yeah, it was Around the World in 80 Days, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. by Michael Palin, who, according to Alan, can't present travel programs for shit. Yeah, I mean, I would argue, Monty Python aside, presenting travel programs is probably what Michael Palin's best known for now. Yes. Question to the group, if you could make your own travel programme, what would it be? Where would you go? What would your theme be? Oh, it would be Adam's uh, Southern States Barbecue Tour in 
in actually much like i think alan suggested for one of his travel programs in a huge american mustang would love to do i think mine would be uh nick's northern uh, american tour which ah. is a companion piece to to adam's uh, <laughs> except, except instead of being in a big muscle car and eating lots of meats i would be cycling and eating relatively healthy and um, <laughs> chatting to chatting to the nice people that i met Perhaps we could meet up in a in a buffet somewhere central, like <laughs> yeah, Iowa. Yeah. Let's meet in the middle. <laughs> I would probably go for Tom Tom Stabs, uh, tip to toe of Italy, and work my way from the <laughs> oh, north yes. of Italy down to the boots mm. to the toe of the boot of Italy. Uh, eating my way down from the north, where they are more sort of focused on butter and dairy, through to the south, where it's more focused on olive oil and lighter, fresher meals, and then hop on a little boat over to Sardinia, uh, go to Sicily, just basically take in the whole of Italy uh, and eat myself stupid. I think the key thing about all of these ideas predominantly is combining travel with food, which I think is absolutely the correct approach. And also being raging egomaniacs that force our own names into the title of all the shows. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is what we've essentially uh, imagined the trip, except the trip has already been done and Coogan's already very much chomped at the buffet that is the trip. This this is Monkey Tennis does the trip in four different parts. And for series two, I'm going to do the same thing, but from the north to the south of Japan, please. <laughs> you know, it's, a good, it's a good point, actually, that Devon, the untold story, it's quite a surprise that it isn't something like Alan Partridge's untold story of Devon or something like that instead. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, he goes into a bit more travel chat here about trams and trams against cable cars. And it felt to me like it's sort of something, this kind of routine is something we've heard a lot before from alan it's kind of one-upmanship and i didn't really get a huge amount from the end of this episode yeah i mean i've said it before on the podcast this is my kind of least favorite alan when he goes into this kind of minute Mm. detail about kind of like having to prove a point or win an argument or whatever it's just i haven't got many notes on it and it's just because i don't find it particularly interesting he speaks quite quickly he goes into detail Mm. don't really want to write all of that out to be honest but it's yeah it's it's just not it doesn't do very much to me. It also feels like they're trying to fill the time a little bit. <laughs> and I, if we're saying that, we might be very, 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 very wrong about that. But I don't know. Well, I, th- I think that the one, the one purpose this does serve, though, it actually is a bit of a reminder of the kind of the the quite nasty side that he can have with Lynn, with his interactions with Lynn. Like he's being True. quite a rotten shit to her here because he knows exactly what she means when she's saying, "Oh, aren't cable cars the same thing as trams?" He's like, "Are they? Have you heard so?" same thing aren't Mm. they have you heard something else and just like there's there's quite a fun side to alan and lynn's interactions but it's an interesting reminder that it isn't always like that i think mostly throughout this series his interactions with lynn have been even though you have that kind of boss employee kind of relationship they haven't been quite as cruel as this one i think yeah, generally it's softened, yeah. softened, hasn't it? Um, he also uses this whole tram cable car thing to slide in a bit of... Uh, well, he doesn't do it on purpose, but there's some subtle homophobia here where he says, you know, trams and cable cars are the same thing. Say that to a San Friscan man and he'd have a tizzy and slap you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. That's <laughs> a good spot. Was a bit, yeah. yeah, 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 slightly cheeky. Um, anything else for the Dreams episode? Uh, yeah, just one thing to recap, actually, that um, happened a little bit before in the episode, before we have Alan's fictional Devon radio show. He's talking about loving farm fresh eggs and also that uh, he loves them as long as they're not warm and then says that's how they've been delivered through the ages and then goes on to list pretty much all the historical figures he can think of. And I thought there are a few 
quite amusing bits to pull out of that list. So he includes the fictional Robin Hood. Uh, he says Richard III, Richard II, and the Richard before him. Uh, so can't think of the phrase Richard I. Uh, he says Adrian and the Wall, which I think he means <laughs> something about Adrian's Wall. And, and he also uh, t- uh, caps it off with there are women in history too. Yeah. So I thought that whole <laughs> section there was because he kind of rattles through the list quite quickly, and I think actually there's quite a lot of detail to pull out, which is fun. And that there are women in history too is very much the and I also have a daughter <laughs> of this section, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I just like the way this episode wrap, wraps up. Alan's forgotten Seldom's eggs, and he's going ballistic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> An emergency stop to episode fourteen. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, and so episode 15 <laughs> is titled Hair. Did anyone have any uh, assumptions or predictions about this episode going into it? I mean, firstly, I thought... I know hair is important to Alan, but to fill 20 minutes with hair, I mean, I basically was hoping this would go off on a tangent because I didn't really a, want to yeah, listen to... Yeah, a grooming routine 20, for 20 minutes is yeah. going to be insufferable. Even in Alan's hands, I don't know that that can create 22 minutes of content. Yeah. I think the only thing that I was gonna, that I predicted would happen in this episode was there would be some reference to the Alpha Papa hair again. Yeah, which, which mm-hmm. there is, indeed. Which there is. Yeah. We start on a positive, though. Alan is quite chipper. Why? Well, because he's decided to be cheerful. <laughs> uh, I, I, there's there's quite a lot of references to this um, sort of throughout the episode, but the idea that you can kind of just think yourself happy um, and that Alan's just decided to be happy and that kind of that's the way it works. Um, it, it was kind of a, a, a nice a nice start to the episode. Yeah, he says, yesterday was a blue Monday. Today is a new order. Uh, Are we fans of New Order? Yeah. Uh, yeah, broadly. I mean, probably not as much as Steve Coogan, which is why I think the reference is in here, because yeah. it's all tied into sort of Manchester and um, and obviously he yeah. was in 24-Hour Party People as well, so it kind of yeah. all ties together. And I think yeah, it's, so. it's 24-Hour Party People, I think, is well worthy of a mention. That's a great film, and it's a brilliant oh, yeah, Coogan performance. So if anybody listening yeah. hasn't seen it, highly recommend. Yeah. Blue Monday and Blue Monday 88 have combined streams of 226 million on Spotify. Gosh, a little like fact it. nugget for you there. 
So he kind of really romanticises um, about uh, Manchester, although it does kind of, it, it culminates um, with kind of him describing how kids would hang out at service stations, which I don't know is really a thing, certainly not as part of the Manchester scene. It's, um, it's more about the rave culture, though, about travelling to and from illegal raves. Yeah, so they would meet at service stations mm. and then go to the raves because they get sent the address. They'd all congregate there and then they'd be sent the address of where to go for the ah, raven. It's normally right. somewhere near a bridge off the M1 or something like Got that. But, um, so that would yeah. be genuinely annoying if you're a family that wants to stretch your legs or buy a magazine. <laughs> but you can't because there's a load of bloody kids there. What yeah. I like is uh, that obviously I'm sure we're all going to talk about it, um, but it gets onto uh, a list of uses for service stations that Alan considers, let's remember, more acceptable than just congregating in the car park as a yes. water fan. <laughs> These are things that he thinks are fine, uh, but congregating, not fine. Do you want to hit us so, with the list, Adam? I think yeah. there are there are four well, key, key I've only got the last on. one, to be honest, the most important. Okay, so, so you've got family the stretching their legs. Yep. You've got a mum getting a magazine. A salesman getting a coffee and... Uh, just another lorry driver popping to the toilets for a wank. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh so much the first time I listened to this episode. Really so, question to, the, question to the group. <laughs> Don't go <laughs> there. Don't go there. <laughs> Have you ever driven a lorry? Yeah. <laughs> Have you bought a magazine? Have you been to a new order concert? Yeah. <laughs> um, excellent. Uh, there's quite a big... There's quite a big... <laughs> there's quite a big reveal at this point. Um, so Alan and good use of the term malting but Alan mm. has malted a clump has fell out about the size of a 50 pence piece um, I like his, his his sort of not here but he repeats the, the word crummy quite a lot you know he likes to mm. use that yeah. in the same way he's clinically fed up instead of actually depressed you know he feels crummy instead or, or you know uh, uh, down in the dumps instead of basically having anxiety and or depression yeah um, I love that he talks about hair as being something that we don't really think about, such as skin, teeth, or your perineum. Obviously, one of those things you probably don't think about very much, but um, skin and your perineum, I imagine, are on your mind quite a lot, and you really do want to take care of them. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously, the joke very much is Alan thinks about his hair all the time, doesn't he? We've had lengthy overviews on his hair care regime in this series alone. Um, he also says about the perineum. Let's stick with that for a minute. He says that it's a part of you you never consider or see unless, and this is quoting Alan now, unless you squat over a compact mirror or a mirrored coffee table that can take your weight, which is so specific, <laughs> you know that he's done it. Yes. I also like that you had to qualify that with, this is Alan speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would never buy a mirrored coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> I think at some point on a previous episode of the podcast, at some point throughout our our, our life as a as a podcast, someone has mentioned that they could see Alan with a comb over at some point because you know he can't like Alan's hair is so sort of crucial to him and and ergo is part of you know crucial to the character. So the thought of him growing old and losing his hair is quite a uh, it's like quite a shocking image yeah but well exactly yeah so yeah I think someone said we could see him with a comb over at some point so I wonder if that's something that will continue through Partridge um, you know when we see this time come back or any te- like televisual Alan whether that is a factor it's quite an interesting thing isn't it because we've talked a lot about Alan being able to adapt over the years he's not one of those comedy characters like a Bart Simpson that's frozen in time throughout mm-hmm. and so but but hair has always been a constant and, and I, so I suppose for them to keep the conceit alive that, that, that Alan is you know existing in real time time with the rest of us he will have to lose it at some point and i wonder maybe if there will be an era of 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 partridge that is very much more sort of alan as a kind of alan moore 
type. Uh, sorry, sorry, Alan as a, as a Roger Moore type with a glass of whiskey, you know, maybe a flat cap, balding a little bit, sat by a roaring fire, kind of dispensing wisdom and children's stories. Maybe there's <laughs> going to be that era of Partridge to come in, in the years down the line. Well, I, I think the interesting thing about that when you looking at it in real life, like Coogan actually, I think when he isn't filming, Coogan actually tends to grow his hair quite long. So his hair is actually still quite thick and luscious, I think, uh, having seen him on some interviews recently. So, yeah, they'd have to actually sculpt some kind of hairpiece that's a comb over instead of relying on Coogan going bald himself at the moment at least yeah um uh, one quick last bit on Alan's perineum uh he mentioned <laughs> that again he mentions that he uh, he nicked it once trying to vault a barbed wire fence Ooh. which you can imagine I mean firstly what a horrible image but also um <laughs> he is the sort of person that likes to you know jump fences scale walls when he's in the countryside with mixed results as we've seen on his documentaries before um and in other minor injuries that that we need to commit to the yes. alan timeline yes. he lost his little toenail when a gay man skated over it i mean how he would know the man was gay i don't think he does know that i think he's assuming because a man is skating he, i think um, he's put rollerblades and gay people together hasn't he as if like a bit like, a bit like shopping it's the preserve of gay people when obviously uh, that's completely untrue yes and as a result he now cannot wear flip-flops which is a real oh, tragedy oh, he can he can, oh. but he, he has to sock up on one of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yep. <laughs> and the, the the weirdly inclusion of a weirdly specific detail also that he gets jealous if he sees a man wearing flip flops in an, in an EasyJet queue. I wonder how many <laughs> times as well he flies EasyJet. That's what I was thinking. I would have thought he'd have been very much BA till he dies, um, but maybe not. Is is the conceit for the character? He probably thinks he should be flying BA club class, but he actually can't afford it as well. I, I don't know. Moving on, I do like how Alan uh, credits Alan Titchmarsh for coming up with the term big dick energy. <laughs> yes, and also fanny vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Before we dive fully into that, uh, just a bit on the long hair when Alan says he briefly grew it longer at the back and everyone would say, that's not Alan's hair. Alan doesn't have his hair like that. And I thought, what do you mean it's not my hair? I am me and that is my hair. Talk about something else stupid like we teed up earlier in this episode. Of course, this is another perfect example of the writers using Alan as their mouthpiece to reply to criticism, specifically the Alpha Papa criticism of his hair. So in episode 5, AMA, um, this is referenced again, why did you have a different hairstyle when Pat Farrell went mad with a gun at North Norfolk Digital in 2013? And I just quite like how specific this is that i found a radio times interview from 2013 with i think neil gibbons saying people have a real sense of ownership when it comes to alan he's someone they've taken to their hearts they have very strong feelings about what alan would and wouldn't do some feel livid and betrayed that alan has grown his hair longer at the back so that's a specific quote from neil gibbons in 2013 there so as much as i think it's it's very funny them kind of addressing the criticism here but i'm also starting to worry are the Gibbons brothers and Coogan really not over this this, this level of criticism <laughs> as well? I've got to say, when I watched Alpha Papa, in, in the level of detail we scrutinised it, I didn't even really notice that he'd grown his hair that much longer at the back. So. I mean, it certainly didn't bother me. <laughs> no, 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 not as much as it's bothered Neil and Rob Gibbons. Yeah. Uh, I did enjoy the kind of visual imagery that's conjured up as well here when Alan's talking about his hair kind of falling out. Um, and he just kind of says that he, he sort of picks it up and puts it, put it back on onto his head and just says, please, please, <laughs> please. <laughs> the absolute desperation of the situation that obviously it's such a big thing for him and he's obviously keen to keen to get it back. Um, he's worried, isn't he, that the that having to do a comb over means that he's going to have to comb left. And traditionally, he's decided he would comb right. Uh, in his words, if you comb right, you comb right. Anything else is like getting Chris Packham to eat meat again. 
Yeah, I did love that. And he says that their switching combing from right to left is like Dylan going electric. It's that much of a big deal. Yeah. So have you got the uh, have you got the uh, list of people who uh, who comb right and the people who comb left? Uh, I can cover uh, right. So you got Des, okay. uh, Des Lynham, uh, Michael Parkinson. Uh, is it Jonathan Dibbleby or David? It's David Dibbleby, wasn't it? David, yeah. Uh, and Alan Jones, of course. <laughs> And these guys uh, are, are your big dick energy guys, yeah. <laughs> uh, according to Titch Mar- Marsh. And uh, now for Fanny Vibes, it, coming to the left, it's John Major. I mean, you'd think Alan would be a fan of John Major, right? Uh, Nikki Campbell, friend of the podcast, interviewed uh, me. Uh, Sebastian Coe, a lord. Again, you would think Alan would be a fan. Um, and But Alan says these are people with a certain shiftiness. Have, now, there, not, I... have there not been more references to Alan not liking Sebastian Coe across the APU. I feel like there might be. I think the there have been. The only thing I can think of right now is the thing in the day-to-day when Chris Morris says, uh, like, off-camera, I hate Sebastian Coe. Obviously, that's not Alan saying that, but I feel like there might be more, but I can't... I'm not sure I think, I think we have covered a reference before, but uh, Tom Stab's going to check the index in real time here. Um, I also think all the people that Alan describes as fanny vibes are basically <laughs> sort of kind of slightly left-leaning. All millionaires, I, I would I would assume, but all just kind of mm. slightly left-leaning, a little bit more kind of uh, centrist, whereas the other people are kind of like, not right-wing necessarily, but very traditional broadcasting and, and sort of members of society, if that makes sense. Yeah. So he 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 sees himself in that pack, and now what he's going to have to he's going to have to join the new set, um, which he's not necessarily entirely comfortable with. I've got a Sebastian Co update. I don't know if the stab's got to this as well. He is mentioned in homelessnessnessness. He is indeed uh, in I Partridge. Uh, Alan writes: I dreamt up the perfect guest list for the new series. Sir Clive Sinclair, Lloyd Grossman, Charlie Dimmock, one of the Brit Poppers, and Sebastian Co. <laughs> So it sounds like he's on board with him at that point. Well, yeah. maybe maybe when Sebastian Coe didn't become part of that lineup, he turned against mm. him. Yeah. Maybe that's it. And he and he signs off that bit by saying, "Yes, these were ruddy good days." <laughs> um, is it time for Alan's dispute at his rackets club? A phone call comes in. Yes. Another Paul is on the other end of the line, presumably not the one that delivers his butter and eggs. <laughs> I um, doubt it. So Alan was accused of coming into the wrong entrance to the VIP car park, um, and he wants to identify the guy who accused him and his employer by day's end. Um, and then Paul sort of Paul seems quite amenable, like he wants to help Alan out here. I, I suppose at a local rackets club, Alan potentially would be the biggest name involved you know yeah maybe um but then paul starts sort of kind of trying to develop it into a more of a chat and alan just gets rid of him (laughs) well like i couldn't actually work out does i couldn't work out does paul hang up on him does does the line get cut off because it's quite a weirdly abrupt ending i couldn't quite work out what was going on at the end of my my take on it is that all alan wants is the name of the guy who accused him Mm. and his employer so he can he can do damage uh and then paul tried to develop it into you know more of a conversation and alan's like no no i've made my point i've got what i wanted goodbye yeah he's gone down the i'm I'm losing you i'm losing you yeah i can't hear you just just make sure you get the name by the end of the day right you've gone again okay and hang up yeah (laughs) going through a tunnel etc exactly yeah um, and there's a nice little callback to Forward Solutions here, um, where he talks about the different pricing packages that you can opt for, from £20 for the basic book package to £999.99 plus VAT for the weekend retreat. It was good to see that he did uh, make use of an early bird offer as well, where he could save himself <laughs> £100. <laughs> I was actually quite surprised with this gag, because I think does, when Alan's talking about he, this is about him 
saying my choosing to be happier that he doesn't want to pass off parts of forward solutions to the listeners so i was assuming what would happen is because he said because he said i'm not going to do that that actually would be what would happen so i was quite surprised instead of segments of forward solutions kind of repeated it was actually just a pricing plan instead uh, yes, I, although if you, if you want a segment of Forward Solutions, you can go to Alan's LinkedIn where he has put a short excerpt up there for people to enjoy. Right. Uh, and remember, uh, satisfaction is guaranteed or half of your money uh, will be returned. Up so, to half of your money to, back. Up to half. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We know that he thinks, yeah, he thinks that's a good deal because yeah. that's exactly what happened oh, yeah. with the, uh, the, the, new, the LA scam artist. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so he disagrees that depression is a chemical imbalance. Uh, says today he simply chooses to be happy once again. People that uh, think that can f off. Yes, <laughs> although I think probably the thing that might have turned his mood around a bit is that he tweeted saying he was very sad about his hair, and people have been really, really lovely, overwhelming. Well, well, very whelming. <laughs> <laughs> At what point there's the line he's talking about his grandma, and he says she used to stare me out. Imagine doing that to a kid absolutely love that line it doesn't it kind of comes out of nowhere i thought that was brilliant the delivery is absolutely fantastic oh yeah because she's the one that used to say to him what goes around comes around and she wasn't a nice person yeah so uh it's mentioned that losing hair is due to stress and anxiety stress stress Stress. i do like alan's reply to 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 counter that he is not stressed or anxious because he's got uh, and i quote Solid career, plenty of dough. <laughs> Sonos throughout. Brilliant. <laughs> Enemy, en- enemies are dead or moved. Uh, and, he, and he's working on a novel set in the Victorian era called The Lamplighter. Uh, yes. Deaf and Dumb Gaslighter. Yep. Called Chris. Chris. Called Chris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, missed two, you missed out two key relationships there as well, Tom. He goes horse riding with the head of Norwich CID and he's friends oh, yes. with the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one of the things that's perhaps a bit bit more bittersweet is that he is still promoting Corsidil, but he's only got a year left on that contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just something about the name Chris as well that in no way sounds like it's come from the Victorian era. I'm oh, sure yeah. people I'm sure people work all Chris, but it just it just feels like the least Victorian name you could possibly imagine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it's Christopher at the closest, isn't it? Uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's some updates from the Partridge Playhouse. Oh, <laughs> what could possibly have gone wrong here? Uh, yes, so the play's been cancelled. Uh, the, the auditionees were not good enough. Uh, and as Alan says, if you want to collaborate, go and do improv. If you want to act, be prepared to do as you're told. And also, so it's, it's the calibre of auditionees not up to scratch, but also there's been a rights dispute from the creator of which Alan, of whom Alan can't remember their name. So that's, yeah. that's great as well. They haven't asked for permission to put this play on. In the first yeah. place, <laughs> it's no permission. ACGB. Yes, yeah, it's no, it's no rights from the permission holder, and the caliber of talent has been woeful. It's been cancelled. I wonder as well is is it really that the issue with the caliber of talent is basically Alan hasn't had any stunners that he was hoping for? It's probably that as well, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> or there, or there's just general issues with people being told by Alan Bad how attitudes. to do it, and, mm. it and, and 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 it being just generally terrible direction. Again, this is another thing that I would quite like to see actually play out. Alan yeah. is a director of a local play. That would be absolutely brilliant. I mean, we know we know Alan's a great playwright because we've we've heard his play in uh, Mid Morning Matters, of course. My God, you're busty. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the, me. That uh, was Hannigan. <laughs> Hannigan, yeah. <laughs> Uh, a chill, a chill wind, or something it was called, I think. Oh God, I can't. A chill wind blows. A yeah. chill wind blows, like or the, yeah. something about a glass blower. 
It, uh, yeah. it sounds very much from the mind of uh, someone that's writing about a gaslighter called Chris in the Victorian era who's deaf and dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's been on a third date with a dog groomer, mm, we find out, yeah. so that seems to be going all right. Uh, but he did try to remove a mole from her thinking it was food. No, everybody does yeah. that. Yeah, don't worry, everyone does that. He would have, that, he would have noticed fine. that already. If he's been on a third date with her, he would have noticed the mole already. Did he just think she had permanent? She permanently had food stuck to her face? Um, Alan's been tweeted by somebody suggesting he might be stressed because he's being trolled by that man. So mm. Alan's uh, counter to this is like, no, I'm not stressed. I mean, I'm sometimes skipping meals. He's not sleeping well, and he's often feeling down for days at a time. But he's definitely not stressed. But he does like to entertain. Sorry, go on. Sorry, Nelly, you go. Uh, He does like to entertain the idea that he could go to the Svensson Hair Clinic, uh, get hair treatment, and charge it to high noon. Mm. Yeah, he's genuinely buoyed by that, isn't he? Like that kind of puts a real spring back in his step. He's like, oh yeah, I can do that. Great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rosa calls. She's found some of his hair. Wants to put it in his bedroom. He he can't understand why, but uh, she thought he might want it to stuff cushions. Um, And then there's a nice little bit here where he basically forgets that she's Filipino and he has to check that she wasn't going to curse him because I think he thought she would be sort of of Roman Romany origin, and he's kind of conflating that with holding onto his hair and cursing him. I, I did try listening to the exchange he has with Rosa, and I couldn't really make out anything she's actually saying. I don't know if anybody else had any. No, I couldn't that. No, really either. It's quite kind of echoey and faint in the mix, but mm. yeah, obviously Alan gives a bit of an overview of it anyway. But uh, yeah, you're right, Adam. He sa- he says um, he asked Rosa if she's Hungarian or Romanian before she corrects him that she's obviously Filipino. So Alan mentions that he's seen a film quite a long time ago about lesbian killer vampires when he was growing up. Um, Nick, as a fan of horror films, I'm kind of looking to you as to, do you know what that film might be that he would have watched? I'm guessing the 70s? I don't know um, what the film specifically is. The only thing I could think of is a lot of the Hammer Horror was um, quite uh, sexual in its overtone and there were (laughs) busty ladies in it. Um, But I'm not familiar with the uh, Hammer Horror films specifically, so I'm not entirely sure what the film might be. But that was my best guess, that it could be something uh, from the Hammer Horror period. But if any listeners think they know what this film is, we'd certainly welcome... Um, any correspondence in terms well, of so what you're, you think you're that just film would asking be? listeners to send you a list of lesbian based vampire films. <laughs> yeah. D- D- DM just to me be clear. specific. Yeah, DM yep. me specifically. Don't, <laughs> don't, Older, yeah. N-I-C-K. <laughs> don't go to the main group. <laughs> uh, it's time to get into toupee territory as uh, we are regaled with a story at Pizza Express in Woking, um, which I thought found. Yeah. <laughs> Quite, quite a, an interesting location, given thing, given current events. Does that give us a bit of an insight into when they were writing this? I think it does. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was going to be some kind of serendipity moment. Is that the right word? I'm not sure, but like a, a moment yeah, where it kind sort of, of all comes together. The, the reveal that he was at um, he was at Pizza Express in Woking at the same time as Prince Andrew, so he was able to kind of corroborate his story, his excuse. I thought there was going to be something like that, but I guess that maybe goes into slightly dodgy territory <laughs> with like legals yeah. and things like that. But I thought there was going to be some kind of connection there, which um, which uh, I'm sad there wasn't, but I can maybe kind of understand that there wasn't that included. So, I, I, I guess um, the fun of it lies in Alan referencing that and yeah. he's and oblivious the can, to, to yeah. the significance of it. I think the yeah. listener is encouraged to make up as ludicrous yeah. a scenario as, as you wish to in your own mind. They, they've given you the tools to do so. Now go run right <laughs> with it. The other thing is that Alan said that my the reason that I kind of thought that was because Alan mentions that it was a, a children's birthday party. So 
were we to believe that the child that came up to Alan was part of the party that Prince Andrew said that he was at? Because he said he he was at a part, he was at a children's yeah. party oh, at yeah, yeah. Peter Express in Woking. So I wonder if that's kind of we've fed those breadcrumbs, but it's not. Oh, obviously yeah. said that and that was potentially the, case. the kind of birthday party, children's birthday party that Prince Andrew might have been at, might have featured rich children precocious enough to go up to other diners and accuse them of having a wig. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that Alan, who you would imagine is quite actually, you know, we've seen in Mid Morning Matters series too, big royalist, would, the joke would be that he wouldn't be able to recognise Prince Andrew if he saw him, but. There's no actual uh, suggestion that Prince Andrew is there, which is probably wise on the writer's part. Yeah. yeah. I do feel that I, I enjoyed the fact that Alan feels the need to respond to the child, whilst normally you probably wouldn't engage in such a conversation. Alan's like, oh, no, 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 you, you can pull it if you don't believe me. It's, it's definitely not a wig. He takes real kind of umbrage to the fact that this child would suggest he's wearing a wig. Should we move on to 1984? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and The Handmaid's Tale, which he describes as very one-sided. <laughs> yeah, I really love that. It's a throwaway <laughs> thing. Um, he also does a quick, uh, another, got to do stand-up, got to do stand-up uh, yeah, at this I th- point I as well. I think that's the fourth, maybe even fifth time that, yeah. that is mentioned in the series. What I loved about uh, his reference of 1984, it's a very quick but good little gag. He says, 1984, the film or famous novel. So I love the fact he's obviously mentioning the film before the book. That's a nice doubling down on the character trait where he thinks he's an intellectual and well-read, but obviously... He isn't, yeah. because if he was, he would be mentioning the book, not the film first. Yeah, it's it's people that watch films and thinking that's almost like a box tick for I've read the book. Yes, or similarly, exactly. people that, like myself, that will use Audible to be like, yeah, I've read that book. You've listened to the audio book. It's not <laughs> quite the same. Someone's read it for you. How long did it take you to finish The Stand? Uh, it's 48 hours long and it took me nine months. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was the second time I'd re- uh, well, I read it the first time and got someone else to do the hard work the second time because I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> so is it time to talk about Alan's big brother Liam or, or is he called Dutch? I, 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 got, I got a wee bit confused by this. I got, I got confused doing my notes. I was like, hang on a minute. I've just written down that he's called Liam and now he's called Dutch. What's going on? So to link the book to this, uh, he says, uh, 1984, of course big brothers mean. That's what they do flick your hair etc i do like what alan says when uh, liam kind of makes himself uh, uh, known and appears <laughs> he says that the police would absolutely bob their loads <laughs> does that mean shit themselves surely? i, I am assuming so <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah yeah i mean even alan doesn't know what it is because he, he kind of says oh in this dream m- memory no no thoughts thoughts so it, <laughs> even alan doesn't really know what what this is and i think as a listener we're equally perplexed about i think it's i think it's like his brother is his imaginary brother is called Liam, but then there's a kind of like subsequent thought about this being almost a dream within a dream. It yeah. all gets very Inception, where suddenly Inception. Liam becomes yeah, Liam becomes the character of Dutch. Is is my with is an my American accent? Is yeah. it chewing yeah. on a matchstick or something like that as well? I thought I, he sa- I thought he. I thought he sounded a bit like Dwayne Benzi from Space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I also I also do like the bit where he's just he's pointing out the bullies, him, 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 and then goes. Do him last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quite, quite sinister. I enjoyed that. Very sinister. Very sinister. Um, um, and not dissimilar to where Michael the Geordie's imagined helicopter attack in I'm Adam Partridge series two as well. Crashing to the scene, a big ball of flames. <laughs> exactly. Hello, you bastard. He's <laughs> <laughs> just a myth. <laughs> um, I also noted so at the at the end of this kind of fantasy sequence of this imagined Big Brother beating up Alan's bullies, that he would grab them by the hood of their parka and swing them into a hedge. Did anybody recognise that from a previous episode? No. no so very, very similar. When Alan talks about Kylie, uh, Kylie Minogue, in the breaking episode, Alan says that he would just grab the hood of her barker and swing her into a pond. 
<laughs> love that. Nice, nice. A beautiful image. And, and I wonder, is the implication there as well that a young Alan being bullied was grabbed by the hood of his parka and swung into something? Yeah. Quite possibly. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he breaks the podcast for a special announcement, which seems a bit weird because we're almost finished. Um, but it's basically just to alert people about a new speed camera that's been installed. So Alan <laughs> temporarily forgetting the supposed reach of this podcast and basically just giving local news, uh, as he has done before, to be fair. I like that, though. That, that, that's great. I think in the APU, of course, Alan's not going to really understand the fact that there's potential global reach of a podcast. He's just thinking about what do people in Norfolk need to know about? And I think if that's bad, then it only gets worse when he then yep. introduces the letter of the week this week, bearing in mind we've never had a letter of the week before. So this has been yeah. introduced now. A new uh, regular feature. Yeah. yeah uh, and, and also, and it, it's, it's, we're nearly 10 episodes away from the pre uh, an episode that was purely about letters as well. Yes, true, very true. Uh, uh, <laughs> crucially, he's had to introduce this feature because the letter is presumably so pressing. It's somebody asking where they can buy a big tin of Swarfiga. And nobody can really help. Well, and also, think, but he and, also goes on in some length yeah. about his dead father, which yeah. Alan does not elaborate on. Yeah, I always think that the reality is it's a letter about his dead father. And at the end, he signs off about, oh, do you know what he gets from Sorfiga? But Alan's kind of like flipped that to be like, he wants to know where he can get some Sorfiga. <laughs> like, that's the important bit. There's something about a dead father, but he wants to know where he can get some Sorfiga. And, uh, well, good news. There's six replies. <laughs> <laughs> very much with a common theme throughout where essentially the answers are no you, you can't you can't buy it in uh, large tins anymore I, I, th- I think the responses go no 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 but you can still get the plastic tubs and no sorry Um, and that brings us to the end of the episode about hair, which ended up being about a lot more than hair. And I actually quite enjoyed the sprawling tangents that it went on. I was a bit worried it was going to be just about hair. <laughs> um, I should have learned by now, I suppose, because most of these episodes, you know, they've got a title and then they spend about six minutes on that thing and then they just wander off into the distance. Yeah, and I guess that's that's exactly what you'd expect. That's very much the, the point of the joke, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, so we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode about uh, from the Oast House or about Partridge in general. You can get in touch on Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod, Twitter at The Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod, The Partridge Pod at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voice note for our WhatsApp. Uh, it may end up on a future episode. That's 07923 Um If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please do show your appreciation with a good review uh, on your podcast provider or by dropping us uh, a coffee, uh, the price of a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash Monkey Tennis. Uh, We'll be back next week where we're coming direct from a spa and rescuing a magpie. But uh, until then, from all of us at Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge Fan Podcast, thanks and goodbye. And this is the beauty of podcasting, the freedom of the medium. Good Monkey Tennis. Bring, bring. Fireworks. Don't muck about. Trees are my pawn. Monkey Tennis. Ready, steady, fuck off. Scratch me. Are you being served? Monkey tennis? Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis? Yep, absolutely, yep, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis? Why not consider chips? You must come and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice-cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey tennis? From the host house. Keep it down, love. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.